Welcome to Raising Our Voices for Health Equity, a new podcast series presented by Vaz Advisors. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. Today is the inaugural episode of our podcast, and we are so pleased to be joined by the Executive Chair of Vaz, Claudia Hirawat, and Senior Advisor and former CEO, Ellen Coleman. We know that many in healthcare recently launched headfirst into health equity initiatives and efforts with good intentions, but sometimes with little planning or forethought. Vaz took a bit of a different approach by engaging in thoughtful planning and taking the time to listen to colleagues, thought leaders, patients, advocates, clients, and friends. They have also spent an incredible amount of time conducting research and interviewing various stakeholders invested in health equity. We thought it would be helpful to hear firsthand today about what they are hearing and learning and how Vaz is advancing its knowledge of and commitment to health equity. Welcome to the show, Claudia and Ellen. Thank you. So um, Ellen, I'm going to start with you. We have a lot to cover today. You have been in healthcare for many years in different settings, which is great, for-profit, nonprofit, academia. Um, it seems we are thinking and talking differently about health equity today than we have in the past. Um, Ellen, tell us why you think that is and how you've seen the conversations change. So Kim, thanks. It was, it was interesting as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my first encounter with health inequity in my career, and that was in the AIDS epidemic. And, you know, at that time, and everyone I think probably knows the story of a a traditionally stigmatized and marginalized group faced with a devastating disease. And it was really left to them to try and make this visible and to get what they needed. And so they took to the streets, gay men took to the streets, to the conferences, to the FDA and to the boardrooms of pharma companies. And they really made things happen. And I, I, can't help but think that that movement started to wake up people in ways that maybe they hadn't really woken up before. And that so that gift was, I think, leaving behind some bolstered disease-specific movements. So the breast cancer groups then picked that up and looked for how could they get research funding and other disease groups followed suit. The emphasis to me in those years was revolving around the theme of patient empowerments and rights which theoretically should have included everyone, right? It should have you know, had everyone under the tent. And in the organizations I worked for, there was attention at health equity, but I think in retrospect, it's just not what we're seeing now. It's not translated in the way that, that we are experiencing it now. So what's changed? I would say two things. One is I think the social movements outside of healthcare uh, have really influenced what we're thinking about inside of healthcare. So the massive protests around killing of black men, the visibility of violence towards the Asian American community, those examples have helped us think about and shake us up a bit in healthcare about how we have to be addressing this. Second, I think that COVID changed the conversation as well. The pandemic really made healthcare prevention inequities highly visible. Uh, Clinical trials for COVID treatments and vaccines were talked about everywhere. And the public health implications of not including everyone were on full display. So we're seeing a great change or maybe noticing more of a change about how patient groups are prioritizing health equity programs, uh, specifically founded organizations that are paying attention to health equity and the interest in our pharma and biotech clients has really risen to ensure diverse representation in their trials. Like many things, it never hurts for a regulatory body like the FDA to to give a little poke towards that. But we're seeing a lot of change that I think is much different than what I saw in the early years. 
Great, that's a, a, a great summary, Ellen, of, of I think what many of us have been um, witnessing and we're gonna continue to unfold uh, this conversation. But Claudia, let me bring you into the, into the discussion. Um, Claudia, I know you've given some thought to how companies um, in the private sector, especially in healthcare, might think about approaching health equity. I've heard you talk about sort of an inside out approach. Can you explain that and talk about why a 360 look, you know, in the private sector at the corporate level is so important? Yes, absolutely. I think to consider health equity, one must consider equity as a whole. This means that organizations need to embrace the concept internally first. Efforts in diversity and equity must start with leadership teams, ensuring representation at the highest levels of the company and asking a lot of hard questions. What are our hiring practices? How do we advance diverse groups within the company? What are our core beliefs and how are those communicated internally and externally? You can't engage in health equity without truly being prepared to live your commitment. And of course, this will significantly strengthen any organization. So it's the best business decision as well. Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a good point, Claudia. I really have to make sure your own house is in order, um, you know, before you sort of turn externally and try to make some changes in the external environment. Um, you know, Ellen, many have said that that partnership and collaboration is key to advancing um, health equity. In fact, it may really be the only way uh, to succeed. Do you agree with that comment? And, and can you maybe name a partnership or two that have caught your um, attention? Sure, thanks, Kim. So I definitely agree. We can't function in silos anymore and expect to make advances in these areas. And certainly, VAS over the years, we've, we've done, in general, a lot of um, leading a lot of successful public-private collaborations over the years, and we found it's exactly the way to go. So as you mentioned, we've been doing a lot of research and exploring the landscape. And there was a couple of, of things that caught my eye recently. Uh, one was the Cardiometabolic Healthcare Alliance that's led by the National Minority Quality Forum. It has a mission to reduce inpatient admissions or emergency room visits and deaths that are associated with cardiometabolic risk factors and diseases among minority and at-risk populations. And what was key to this alliance seems to be a collaboration between NMQF along with several professional medical societies that are focused in that area to try and make things better for that population. And that, that's a great example. A second initiative that I was really excited about uh, that was recently announced is a collaboration between Bristol Myers Squibb and the nonprofit organization Disability Solutions, who will spearhead the Dis Disability Diversity and Clinical Trials Initiative. And this initiative initially aims to make recommendations on how to effectively improve access and engagement and the speed of enrollment and participation of people with disabilities in clinical trials. This is an area where you know, I was doing some recent reading where disability is just ignored in this space. So it was really exciting to see such a large initiative like this. So uh, I think these are efforts to ensure that that real world, that there's a reflection of the real world population and what pharma is doing. And so it's exciting to see. That's great, Ellen. And, and I love those two initiatives. And we're going to talk in a few minutes a little bit more about clinical trials, because I think it's a it's an important topic. But uh, the next question I want to to both of you, uh, Claudia, you first, and then and, and then Ellen. Um, you have both identified health equity as a top priority and core value at VAS. Um, 
I think folks would be interested to hear how you're putting that commitment into, um, into action. So Claudia, let me start with you. And then Ellen, maybe there might be some examples at Boz that you could cite for, the, for our listeners. Sure, thank you. Um, we set our priorities based on two considerations. The first is that whatever we're hearing from clients and it's clear to us that this is a priority industry-wide. The second consideration is the connection with our values. Voz is a business, of course, but it's very much a cause for us. We are passionate about what we do and health equity is a priority for us because we care deeply about it. I'm from Brazil, my husband is from India. These are issues that we both grew up with and feel intensely that are areas that the world needs to progress. We're putting this passion and commitment to action by developing programs and projects that address client needs, but also by investing in our constant education in the space and how it is evolving. And we share what we learn with the life sciences community. We create opportunities for others to learn from the same amazing individuals who are our mentors and support our client in building meaningful relationships in the space. I appreciate that, uh, Claudia. I appreciate you bringing that, that, that personal perspective and your family's perspective and your own lived experience to the work. That passion, I think, really comes through uh, in, in the work that I've seen Boz doing. Um, Ellen, maybe you could give um, a couple of specific examples. Are there partnerships? You know, What are your partners saying? What are your clients saying? Sure. So we did have a conversation with a lot of our clients about a year ago to just understand what should we be doing in this space and, and how can we contribute. And so a couple of things have arisen out of that. First, uh, we do a lot of environmental assessments in our work to help our clients understand the community of patients where they may be working and uh, patient organizations. And so we expand, expanded our um, environmental assessment platform, which is called LEAD to ensure all of our organizations are assessed for the work that they're doing in health equity. So any client now that is asking us to provide an environmental assessment to them will automatically receive information about what groups are doing around DEI and health equity space. Based on what we heard from our clients, we developed this podcast series. We heard from our clients that they were very interested in understanding the basics. I mean, some clients were saying, we don't even understand the terms health equity and DEI. Where do we start? How do we start? What language do we use to talk about these things? So we felt this podcast series would be excellent at helping them in that. And then we're working on a number of different projects um, to try and see how we can help, the, help our clients gain insights into what other communities have already been doing, not starting from scratch. I mean, everyone knows that there's, there's health inequities and that this is an important issue, but how can we be solution focused? So we're working in collaboration right now with the cancer support community and their DEI and health equity team to, um, to launch a, a health equity summit that's proposing to look at solution focused actions that pharma and biotech patient advocacy and engagement functions can take in advancing their health equity goals. So we're about to go out and talk to people about that now, and hopefully we'll be able to, to launch that sometime in, in this year. That's terrific. And I, I, I love the big picture thinking, but also now the detailed and really tactical approach to some of these partnerships and efforts. Really helpful, Ellen. Um, Ellen, let me stay with you for a minute because I, you, you touched earlier on clinical trials, and I think this is an important development this year. 
Um, this spring, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, uh, issued draft guidance to increase diversity in clinical trials. Um, how has VAS responded to the draft guidance and what are some of your observations and key recommendations around that guidance? Yeah, so firstly, we, we applaud the FDA's efforts in this area. At the same time, we, as we read the draft guidance, we thought that there might be some unintended deleterious impacts on the very communities that it seeks to help. So we stepped back and took a look at three key recommendations that I think highlight our overall view that we need a better, comprehensive and more coordinated approach across government, nonprofit and private sectors to really address diversity in clinical trials. Um, firstly, uh, with industry, with greater regularity, they're approaching disease-specific patient organizations to help with trial recruitment, including recruitment of diverse patients. And we believe this guidance will simply exacerbate these requests and place additional burdens on top of nonprofit groups. So as a remedy to this, we're, um, we're, we believe there's opportunity to foster collaboration across companies in what we would call the non-competitive space, where there's common practices, concerns, and creative solutions that could be broadly addressed to reduce this burden and help companies develop their approaches, not, not by going one by one to groups, but by thinking collectively together about what, what could be done. Secondly, we do think that there's a larger comprehensive effort needed to bolster capacity for community trial sites to uh, in, ensure diversity. A public-private partnership and investment in supporting these needs in underserved areas is warranted. And so I think that uh, thirdly, we don't think the progress will be made until we really understand, acknowledge and respect the lived experiences of those who've been systematically discriminated against. And so the, there are needs that uh, to have concerted efforts to engender trust with companies who are um, forging and investing lasting partnerships in these communities, not just to fill a trial quota, but to build meaningful relationships. And that's something that Vaz really cares about and tries to work with all our clients about building those meaningful relationships. I think that's really helpful, uh, Ellen. And I know, you know, sometimes the FDA, you know, it, it, you know, issues things with a certain perspective and, and lens in mind, but I appreciate that Boz has sort of broadened the lens to think about the potential impact on the community of some of these um, draft guidelines and, and recommendations. So I appreciate you sort of filling out that conversation a little bit because I know a lot of folks are thinking about it and talking about it um, in the healthcare community. Um, we are um, unfortunately getting towards the end of our conversation, ladies. It's been a, a, a great discussion, but um, I, you know, and I'm excited. We have some great guests coming up on the show and uh, really are going to unfold and unpack this conversation around health equity. But I thought I'd just in closing ask you both a bigger picture question, and that is um, to really share your hopes for a more uh, equitable healthcare system. Are you hopeful? that we can move towards a more equitable healthcare system? Do you think that progress um, is possible? Claudia, I know it's a big question, but I'm gonna start with you, Claudia, and hand that to you. Yes, thank you. No, I'm extremely hopeful. It is, of course, not without challenges, but I'm personally so encouraged by the efforts we're developing with our clients and by witnessing their commitment to health equity. There's a lot of work ahead of all of us, but there's no question that we're making important advances and that Vaz is very well poised to have a significant impact. 
That's terrific. Ellen, helpful? Yes, I, I definitely am, Kim. I, I would say that for years, ever since I did my work in AIDS years ago, I've I've always struggled with the idea that all of us live, we're all in the same species, yet we don't have not figured out a way of treating each other equally. And it's a, something I still struggle with. But I have to say, over the last few years, I've, I've and it's been born of some terrible things, right? Some terrible events that have occurred that have woken us up. But you know what? When we wake up, we wake up. And I think we are awake. And I don't, I see a real sea change and how our clients want to address this. And we're excited to contribute our own voice and skills to move the bar on this issue. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. Well, how great to end on a hopeful note. <laughs> uh, as I said, we've got some great guests joining the show. I want to thank folks for listening uh, into the show today. This is Raising Our Voices for Health Equity. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo. Please join us next time as we continue the conversation on how to build a more just and equitable healthcare system.